The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us yet for another program right here on the Shepherd Radio Network, heard up in Gainesville, down to Ocala, the villages, and of course, in our main studios, which are located in the heart of beautiful Orlando, City Beautiful. Great to be with you today. I've got a bunch of uh, guests to bring your way. Number one, we're going to have in just a moment an interview with Daniel Webster, Congressman Daniel Webster. He is now serving and has been since 2011 uh, as a U.S. House of Representative. And he is, uh, before that, well known for his many, many years, I think 28 years total of working in the Florida House and the Senate and the Florida Legislature. And he has been a help to so many people. He is uh, up for re-election. And that election, of course, the primary is tomorrow. So it is an important election. Uh, tomorrow's a primary. Don't just pass it by. Let's get involved and make sure that you cut out time tomorrow to go and cast your vote for the candidate of your choice. That's very important. Uh, I had an opportunity, as you're going to hear in a moment, to meet with uh, Congressman Webster back when he was in the Florida House years ago in the 90s and got to know him a little bit then. He was instrumental in so many ways, helping families. I think you're going to enjoy this chat with Congressman Daniel Webster. It is really a privilege to have Congressman Daniel Webster on the phone with me right now. He has many years, I think 28 years in the Florida House and Senate as a legislator, and then since 2011 has been serving us as a U.S. Congressman. Welcome to my program, sir. I so appreciate you. Great to be on. You and I shared a uh, lunch with Danny Jones back Oh, my goodness, that had to be, what, mid-90s or something like that? I think so. (laughs) It's a long time ago now, but I appreciated you then, and uh, as as would my wife, who was so excited when I found, she found out I was going to be able to talk with you. You did so much for families, continue to do so much for families. We were homeschoolers back then, and your care and your work, for all of us that were involved in that was so appreciated. Uh, and, and here you are now serving since 2011, 11 years as a U.S. congressman. Uh, to give us just a little bit of a, a thumbnail about what uh, has been going on with you in this campaign. Well, in each case, I've been uh, doing what I think is, is good and what I can do, and that's being a legislator. So during those times, I mean, we already had done the homeschool bill, but we also had other things happen, which were really good. Leading up to the repeal of Roe v. Wade, uh, each trying to chip away here, chip away there, uh, and uh, trying to get the court to agree with us when we did that. So those things worked out very well, and a lot of other good things. You know, sir, when you think, uh, when you think back to what you faced and and even the the mood, if you will, and the kind of the temperament in the nation back in the 90s and even in the 80s. That's when we started homeschooling back then. 
there was there was this uh, I I would call it almost a prejudice against any uh, effort to take children and educate them in the home, and and now we see a similar type of pushback to almost anything at all having to do with pro-family and even marriage as it has been historically defined. Uh, I am sure this is not an easy atmosphere for you to work in, is it? No, it's not. But I think that's what our job is, is to stand up for what's right. Uh, regardless, I mean, I was the only one originally that uh, knew anything about home education. And I got that from a couple of constituents of mine who, who did it. And uh, it was crazy how um, it was sort of worked out. And once it got worked out, though, it was done and the Democrats accepted it. Uh, and so did the education uh, staff on the, at the House and the Senate level. And, and that was just one of the, one of the things that was uh, really good. But from day one, the education community, their number one agenda was to repeal the home education laws. Unfortunately for them, there were athletes uh, who made it uh, impossible to happen. So when you have Tim Tebow and people like that mm -hmm. uh, become the top, and also we had spelling bee winners and geography winner, bee winners and uh, and even the, uh, the uh, valedictorian at the University of Florida. So all those things piled on and uh, it made it somewhat mainstream. Then the uh, editor of the uh, – uh, one of the editors, a long-time editor of the St. Times, her granddaughter was home educated, and she just she gave up and joined, kind of. And so there were just a few things that happened that were really good. And uh, but our battle is never over, ever. <laughs> Doesn't matter what happens, there's still going to be this opposition that's been there since since uh, Jesus died on the cross. That's right. We have a battle and we have a fight, and fortunately, we have the Lord to help us in that fight, in that battle. But I can tell you that my wife will just be thrilled to, to express, to know that her heart was expressed to you today, that we are both very grateful for what you did. Because again, the, the atmosphere of, for homeschoolers back in that day, there was a constant sense of threat over us. Uh, there were some states that were actually trying to arrest parents and put their children in truancy uh, conditions uh, for a home education. And isn't it ironic that during the pandemic, uh, all of those kids were sent home to be home educated? There's some irony to that, isn't it? There was. I, I thought, wow, we've got all these new homeschoolers now. We <laughs> may not yeah. have accepted it fully, but it was really pretty, you're right, ironic. Uh, ironic is the word, sir. And uh, again, we are so grateful for your work on that. But uh, as you said, the, the work plate is never over. There's so much left up there to do. What are, are your biggest concerns right now for the country as you represent Florida, District 11 in the Congress? What are your number one concerns right now? I think my number one concerns about the, you know, just what, how it's going is the fact that there is this constant uh, effort to rewrite history and to bring in new principles that don't work and to make them a part of everyday life, even 
when they're not even uh, accepted by uh, a small percentage of the people. And that, that to me, is a, a big thing that uh, has to, we have to push back every time we get a chance to do that. But um, we're doing it. And I appreciate the fact that you are doing it. You know, the the whole thing, the attack on families, uh, just reached new fever levels. It's like uh, over the last year, with all the things that are going on in the Biden administration, with all of the efforts to make the, the whole issue of transgendered, really, like that is the number one issue, the most important pressing concern in all of the nation while we have all of these other problems just raging, including inflation, border security, uh, just the high cost of, of gas, all of that, it, it's weighing on the hearts and minds of the nation, isn't it? Yes. And uh, that's it's kind of sad, but uh, unfortunately the media has taken up the mantle and said, okay, we're going to just push this through and make everybody believe it. But I think there's a lot of pushback. Uh, from people who, uh, like you and me, who uh, have a have a, a real desire to make America uh, a, an America that recognizes the traditional family as the unit that makes us strong. Mm. Now you have been serving all this time. This is well over. You're you're in the mid 30s in terms of years serving in politics in government. What What is it that you feel in your heart that keeps you driven to continue this fight? I've got 21 grandkids, and that's one of the things that can oh, keep me going is the fact that they, they need a lot. They want to have an America that's a good America. They're all conservative. They're all home educated, and they want to. They want to do right. And so because of that, uh, that's one group that I'm fighting for. Is, oh, yeah. Is, uh, I have faith, family, and a set of principles. And so as long as those are out there, I'm willing to go and fight for them. That's wonderful. What do you see as the advantage that uh, you have from your tenure, both as a Florida state representative, Florida Senate, uh, then in the U.S. Congress? What, what are the advantages that having that kind of longevity, what would that bring to you? Well, I think... Uh, I've used. I've tried to use my time wisely, and, and in doing that, I've gotten to know a lot of people. And so, even from the left side and the right side, we have friends that can help us and have helped us. And so, for that, I believe um, just the knowledge of how things work uh, is probably gives me at least a one-up uh, edge in that area. But also the fact that I've actually seen them to fruition, and um, that keeps me going because I know it can be done. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier the whole overturning of Roe versus Wade. That's something that most people who are in the pro-life business, uh, as much as they wanted it, there was a sense of surprise that it actually happened. How about you? Where were you in that? Were you surprised to see that the Dodd case was the one that pushed it over? Well, uh, no, I thought that was the perfect case to do it. However, you never know what the uh, justices are going to do once they get on there. I had a very strong feeling that that uh, the uh, ones that were appointed by Trump would push it over the edge. It would be enough for the majority. And sure enough, it happened. But mm-hmm. still, 
uh, no matter what happens, you, you're kind of shocked because it's been so long. And so many times we thought we were close but never got there. So I, I was uh, very much pleased, though. I thought it was the time to rejoice. Now, from your standpoint, Congressman, uh, tell us what you feel that people in the pro-life movement can continue to do, because we know that the passage of or the overturning of Roe versus Wade did not end this issue of abortion. It's obviously pushed it down to the states, and the fight is on. We know that a lot of clinics, abortion clinics, are now really specializing in, if not exclusively so, the whole medical uh, like taking a pill, and that's abortion at home. I mean, th- this this fight is not over, is it? No, it just came back to the states, and for that, uh, we're going to have to mount up uh, as much as we can to to take the state legislator, uh, House member, and senator that represent us, and convince them that uh, the, the life movement is the right movement. So uh, I think, our, in a sense, our job has just begun. However, we don't have an overriding opinion from the United States Supreme Court that says most of what we would like to do can't be done. So that's gone away, and now it's a matter of uh, carrying it out at the state level. That's going to be an, another difficult challenge that far, far more uh, – uh, probably far more uh, receptive than it would have been had it just stayed a federal issue. That's right. Now, a lot of our neighboring states had trigger laws that went into effect, and they actually have more uh, restrictive laws now than do we. I'm grateful for the 15-week law that we have, but there are, there are still uh, opportunities for improvement in the future, right? Yes, there is. And uh, I think we've got a governor and a legislator that, legislature that's uh, uh, on board for making it happen in a, a really good way. One of the saddest things that I see happening, I know we're kind of coming to the end of our time together here, and I really appreciate your being available to talk to our our listeners. One of the sad things that's a reality today is this, what is almost amounting to a civil war between Texas and the, the governor of New York uh, and, and the mayor of New York, um, uh, basically bussing these illegal immigrants who are just flooding into Texas. And they're bussing them to New York, who, who they're saying they claim to be a, a state that welcomes them. They're, they're uh, one of these states where they say, hey, come on, we're a sanctuary state. But it doesn't look like they really are with all of the fight and the verbiage that's coming out every day. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, first of all, you think we'd send thousands of people there, and that's not true. Uh, a busload is only about 80 people. Mm-hmm. And for that, that, that's less than a day's worth of work for the people that come across in Texas. It just sets the example to say, you know, you really don't want these people there, and you're proving it every day and uh, not willing to uh, do what you're asking us to do, and that is take everybody. So... I think that uh, I think Texas is just exposing a problem that already existed, and that is there there are really no states that want these immigrants in in their state, especially when they're a long way away. They can talk about all the stuff they would do and not have to do anything about it because um, they're so far away they'll never get there. 
Well, mm-hmm. they turned the table on them. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I'm praying that something can happen that would kind of alleviate this problem, at least diminish the problem, because it seems from what I'm hearing in Texas, it is a real issue. And it's not safe for those that live along the border. God help them. They need his help. And they need uh, that quickly. This whole thing, final question, and uh, I'll let you go here. The whole thing with the judge coming out today saying that uh, this whole issue with Mar-a-Lago needs to kind of be put out into the open. Are your cons- the, the people that you work with there, your peers in Congress, what's the feel there? I think they're they're glad about that. I mean, I think it's a good decision, and it's one that I think even Trump, in a way, has supported. Uh, He just thinks all should come out, and we should talk about it, and uh, then maybe it'll be a lot easier to do something about it. Plus, it it exposes what everyone knows, and there are some shenanigans going on that are are hidden uh, in in what documents they wanted, and just the timing and so forth. It brings it onto big question mm-hmm. of, uh, why and how. Hmm. Wow. 21 grandkids. You got me beat there, Congressman. It. Um, I have 10 and I'm grateful for my 10, but boy, I'm grateful to hear that your family is doing so well as what they are. And we wish you the very best. I know you're going to be on the ballot for tomorrow. Uh, and we thank you, sir. Congressman Daniel Webster, Uh, from the great state of Florida, representing us up in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, sir, for what you're doing, and best wishes to you. Thank you, and great to be on. God bless you. So thankful for him. That is Congressman Daniel Webster. And coming up in just a moment, I'll be back with Mark Goldstein, who is our new host Palm Beach of a brand University new program Orlando called The Shepherd at three Work. Distinct Don't go away. This is Afternoons An evening with Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. An evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services. And our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Here we are again for segment two, and uh, it is always an honor to have my good friend Mark Goldstein back with us again. And it's always an honor to be back again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mark, uh, yeah, I love your show that you've got on the weekends right now. It is is neat, both yours and John Crossman, who produce, uh, both of you produce a local show on Saturdays. Uh, They're unique in and of uh, to themselves. They're, They're not alike, and yet... They carry on this intensely local feel for us here, uh, especially for your show, which is aired in Orlando. And it is always with a businessman or a businesswoman or talking about something that has to do with business. And that's why the title, The Shepherd at Work. But before we talk about all of that, 
I want to get back to your show and get your feeling on how you think it's going and all of that in a moment. We've got to talk about what just happened in our last segment. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm so grateful. For, it was you that, and I'm grateful that you set it all up with yeah. me to be able to have Congressman Webster on the program today. But you know some things about what he did in his early tenure when he started off. And that It's remarkable. I did not know that. Well, you know, he still remember when he first ran, he ran against Grayson. Yes. And it, the slam against Daniel Webster was so bad that at the time, Bill O'Reilly even picked up on it. And even Democrats were just appalled at what Grayson did. Alan Grayson. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But Daniel Webster took the high road. He didn't respond to it at all. And that, that just blew a lot of people away. He just let God take care of it. Yeah. But those who know him know that when he first went to, to Washington, he had a choice. He could, take, uh, he could get an office in the Republican building. Now, everybody who's been tenured and everything, they have theirs. And then what opens up? It's available yeah. to the, the freshman The freshman Congress, they give what's left. He decided not to take an office in the Republican building. He took an office in the Democrat building. Hmm. And he did it for one reason and one reason only. He wanted to meet the Democrat representatives, to meet them who they were. So he would make these appointments and he would go by there and he'd ask for, for 10 minutes. Now, most of these congressmen, when you make an appointment with a congressman, they want something. Yeah. They're coming. They, they want you to do something for them. He went in there just to meet them, learn about them and their family, and to pray for them if they wanted prayer. You know, a lot of these five, 10-minute meetings turned into 45-minute meetings. Wow. But that is what he did. He made it a point to meet all, all of the, the people who sit on the other side of the aisle. Mm -hmm. The other thing he did is at the first uh, State of the Union address, he asked the Republicans, he asked for somebody to sit with him at the, at the uh, State of the Union. The only person who responded, believe it or not, was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Mm -hmm. And they sat together. It made big news. Yeah. But then with the relationship that they built, they started having these lunches and, uh, together. Uh, and you, talked, you could talk about anything other than politics. And then they would start inviting people. But to invite, if you were a Republican, you had to invite a Democrat and vice versa. And then the idea was, is you could not at these meals talk about politics. It was the idea of getting to know each other. And they got very popular. The Can you imagine something like that today? I, I can't, I don't know that that's even possible right I now. I think he's still doing them. Really? But you know, it doesn't make no news. Well, he no, has, no one's talking about that. He has a group of Democrat and Republican Christian uh, Congress people that before a vote, they'll meet to vote, to, to pray. I wish I would have known that when, uh, you know, I was talking with him. That's great. I'm, I've invited him back up. And yeah. hopefully uh, in the next uh, old couple of months, he'll be able to be here and not uh, there in D.C. because he still lives in this area he does. When, when he's not in Washington. 
And it is really great to have somebody like this. I mean, what you're talking about and what you're describing is it's the kind of camaraderie that is rare anymore. And you're exactly right. You don't hear about it in the news. There was a time when Tip O'Neill could argue with any Republican lawmaker on the floor of the House. And uh, after it was all over, they went out and had steak and drinks together. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a respect. For people across the aisle. Right. Now it's all demonized. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about the uh the politics it's about the the it goes into personality and attacks on individuals and you hear it on both sides but daniel webster is he is a bridge builder he is he is what oh my goodness if if even even half of congress was like him mm-hmm. the, a different thing oh absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely you know and i go back and we talked about this briefly uh, i know that you probably haven't uh he- heard everything that was there well no you haven't because uh you're here now and this is all before this airs so uh that is that is one of the things that i love about this man is the stateliness of his character yes. he is a person that really cares about people And in the conversation, uh, for those that are listening, they would have heard it as well. He talked about one of the big motivations for him to continue to do what he's doing after all these years. I mean, he's been a congressman for 11 years. And before that, 28 years serving the state of Florida in both the House and the representative on who knows how many committees he's served and bills he's brought forward and all of that. But He's a man of character. You know, in all of those years, there are plenty of Congress people and plenty, plenty of politicians that would disagree with him. But I would, I would be hard pressed to see if we could find any person that doesn't respect him. I agree. On either side of the Well, he mentioned that one of his motivations for doing all of that, having that kind of longevity and willingness to put up with what I know they're having to put up with now Mm -hmm. is the fact that he has 21 grandchildren. Oh, that's just amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. That's quite a legacy (laughs) right there all by itself, but he's fighting for their future. Yeah. And that's when you look at politicians, you know that there are some, in fact, we see them running now. They, they term out of one thing, so now their name shows up. They've got to run for something. I guess if they're not in politics, they can't, they can't get a job anywhere. Mm-hmm. But So there are those people who are like that. Uh, but Daniel Webster, it's a calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, I believe for him, it is absolute service. Yeah, you can't put him in the box with, with just no. career politicians. You can't do that. No. Because he's there, and uh, I had the uh, chance to thank him, Mark, for uh, the the work he did for homeschoolers. Mm. And we talked about it, we were laughing about it a bit, about the irony that the same government that really gave problems to homeschoolers back in the 80s and early 90s, that's the same government that sent them all home to become homeschoolers during the pandemic. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a, a wild irony. But uh, anyway, that was a great, great time 
with what I think to be a great man, and I'm so grateful for people like him. It is also refreshing to know that in Washington, we still have a few representatives who are like him. And what it also shows is what can be, not what has to stay, Mm -hmm. what has to be now. That's a good point. There is a higher road, and Daniel Webster is showing the way how to do it. He is. So, Mark, here you are again. You're uh, you're through week three of having yeah. your own radio show. Now, I know you've, you're a guy that's familiar with radio. I don't know that you ever had your own talk show before this, though, right? I did. Oh, you uh, did? Yeah, a couple of times. Okay. But, uh, but I'm letting you show me the ropes on uh, this system here, the state-of-the-art system that we have. <laughs> yeah, well, everything has changed a lot, right? I mean, yeah. since those early days of radio... When I was in radio, I mean, functionally, I mean, I I felt like when I was there, I think Marconi had just left. (laughs) (laughs) And for those of you that don't know, he would have been one of the fathers of early radio back in the 30s and 40s doing development or before that even. And uh, my goodness. And now what um, what we have here is true digital state of the art. And it is really fun to get to work with all of this. And radio itself is much more digital now than ever before. And uh, that means it, well, sometimes it, like all computers, when it works great, it's wonderful. When, <laughs> as we all know with computers, sometimes they don't work. Yeah. And it's not wonderful. <laughs> hey, what, what would Marconi say if you brought him into the studio oh, today? Oh, man. I know that when I moved from radio, I had been in radio from 73, 4, and 75. And then in 75, I went into television and, mm-hmm. and I had a dual role. My role, I was hired to do the weather on mm-hmm. screen to do the weather, but I was also hired to be the voice for the, the TV station. Mm-hmm. And so back in that day, Mark, this is before the, the, the outset or onset of uh, what's called ENG, electronic news gathering equipment, mm-hmm. where all of the news crews that go out and shoot things would have these beautiful, uh, like, um, you know, three tube cameras that would give beautiful color. No, no. This was way before all of that. News <laughs> stories were shot either on, get this, 35 millimeter slides or 16 millimeter sound film. And we had a guy there, a big part of the news was a film developer who would take all of the film that was shot. We had a dark room that processed both video and uh, pictures Mm -hmm. right there in the station. And they were put on. So I'm up, my role in all of this, I'm up in what's called the booth, the audio booth, which was way stuck off in the upstairs in a Mm -hmm. kind of a dark room and with a couple of really classic microphones. I I would love to have one of those microphones in my collection, but um, I would be up there and I'd be recording what was called the book. And so I would, I would read all of these things that was, you know, talked about and commercials of that day. And when I first started, it all changed while I was there. But when I first started, I, they would have my voice rolling from a reel-to-reel machine upstairs while 35-millimeter slides were showing things like from restaurants and different commercials that would be going up, <laughs> all done with slides. And then they would go to this station sl- slide, and then they would hit the, you know, they'd cue it up and hit my station break. Mm. You know, this is TV 25. 
You can count on us. <laughs> I must have said that a hundred times, a thousand times a day. Felt like, but anyway, things have changed a lot, and you're yeah. up here. You're doing this show, The Shepherd at Work, talking about things that haven't really changed, and that is the principles of God in our everyday life. And life today is a bit crazier than it was in years oh, gone by. Yeah. Just a little bit crazier. And so people have to cram so much in into their days to where they get some sleep, they're home a little bit, but then the lion's share of their their week is spent in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And that is where Christians interact with non-Christians. I mean, we have such an opportunity to be salt and light. Most people just don't know how they're intimidated. They think they have to be a theologian. They think they have to have gone through school and, and have been a Christian for decades before they can speak. And that's not the case. God can make rocks and, and stones cry out and testify That's right to him. So uh, what we do is we help folks understand uh, some just common sense, very practical ways that you can be salt and light in your business, in your home, in your community, uh, in your church. Uh, but uh, and and we're, we give you the tools mm -hmm. to do that too, from experts who uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. So your two official guests that you've had on so far are Crystal Parker, and then last week. Jacqueline Lynn, yes, who is a uh, just a wonderful writer, and she not only writes well, she speaks well too. She's really good. She does. Uh, we had uh, Crystal, who introduced us to what's going on in the marketplace, how Christian business people can connect with Christians, with non Christians, but how we can grow together. Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie or Jacqueline. Yeah, you kept doing man. that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, for me, she's always going to be Jack. Yeah, Jacqueline. And, and I'm always, and I'm always going to be, huh? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we we need to know how to tell our stories. We all have stories to tell. That's good. And they're we all do. and they're all impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't know how to share them. And and what she shared with us last week are some effective ways of getting our message out telling our story. It said we all have a book in us. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I had, I had several books in me and I just could never get them out. But working with Jackie was perfect. She, so I, you know, that's why we had Jacqueline Lynn on the show. Mm -hmm. So coming up this week, it's going to be Kevin, Kevin. McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, you know, we hear a lot about Pivot. Uh, Kevin was talking about that in his own in his own way many many years ago. Uh, people didn't even talk about purpose until uh, Rick Warren. I met Kevin back in ninety uh, one, mm -hmm. and he had already written a book on purpose. So and the on purpose guy—that's what yes, he is, right? So we're going to talk about that this Saturday, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I've had him on the program, as mm -hmm. you know, thanks to you again. Because when we moved here, you were so pivotal, pardon the pun, <laughs> you were pivotal in getting us so many people uh, that helped me and establish not only 
my program, but also me with relationships mm-hmm. in the city. And I'll always be grateful for you for that reason alone. But that's going to be Kevin McCarthy on The Shepherd at Work, which is going to come up this coming Saturday at 10.05 right here on The Shepherd. And that's going to be on WIWA Orlando. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's where that will air. So for those of you on the network, you'll have to tune in. If you'd like to listen to Mark's show, you can do that right by listening on our website at theshepherdradio.com. And we have this wonderful thing called podcast. Yeah, boy. Yeah, there you go. So if you're out doing golf Saturday morning, uh, check us out through the podcast. That's it. And that's also, you can download that either on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple iTunes, or you can go to theshepherdradio.com. And I'll be back in just a moment with Tom Calkins. He'll be joining me on the phone line as we talk about a real important cause that he's riding a bike for. That comes up in just a moment right here on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com Back again now for segment three. On the line with me, a good friend from uh, the Gainesville area. I uh, attended church with this guy, served in sound with this guy. It's great to have Tom Calkins on the phone with me. Tom, welcome to my program. Thanks, Mike. You know, buddy, you're here today. I've got you on today. Uh, You're one of the people that I, I like this kind of an expression because it really serves, I think, a visual. You not only put your money where your mouth is, but you put your bike pedals and your hard work at riding a bicycle where your where your heart is. And you do this for a really great purpose. You're raising money for something that is a need that I think every one of our listeners would would really sound in there and say, yeah, I agree with that. Tell us about what you're doing right now. The Great Cycle Challenge is a national fundraising initiative for the Children's Cancer Research Fund. And the reason we do this is that cancer is the leading cause of death from disease in America. And yet, sadly, only 4% of federal funds are made available for research. Mm -hmm. And some of the statistics are that every two minutes, Around the world, a child is diagnosed with cancer. In America, 15,700 children are diagnosed every year. And sadly, 38 children die each week from cancer. Each week. Each week. Wow. And, you know, with those figures, I I got thinking, and I mentioned this yesterday in, in church, that probably everyone— Everyone knows somebody 
that has been affected by children's cancer, be it a family member or a relative, a friend or neighbor, um, somebody, a church member, a coworker. My guess is that somebody knows somebody. I've got a next door neighbor whose child had brain cancer at an mm-hmm. early age. Mm. Uh, he has since graduated from high school, is working. But one of the reasons this is so important is because the treatments for children's cancer are basically the same things that they use for adult cancers. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so hard on children. And children end up having lifelong um, problems or results from these treatments. Like side effects. Like, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as a matter of fact, I just looked on the, the webpage for this event. There's a, you can go on to click a link about CCCF and read down and they have a, a video you can watch, a short one minute video that explains what chemo does to a child's body. Uh, there's nothing that I can think of that's harder than seeing a child be stricken with something like what you're describing. And I remember, Tom, when I was a young man, there was um, a guy, he was a teenager now, not not a uh, middle schooler or whatever, like what we often see on commercials with children are stricken with cancer. But up until that point in my life, when I was a teenager, I had never known anybody that that uh, that age that would have come down with something like this. And that young man got a terrible uh, diagnosis and we were all brokenhearted and we watched him very quickly go down and he passed away as a young man. And I remember the impact that that had on me and it was hard. Was there a similar thing that happened to you that caused you to have this heart to uh, do this every year? Not personally. Uh, but once I got involved with this program, the first year, I don't know if you remember it or not, when we did the video, um, one of the children's ambassadors that they had for the cause that year mm-hmm. uh, died from her disease about a week before the event actually began. Um, and so that was that was tough, really. Um, and... Um, when when your listeners go to the website, that's one of the things that they can do, too, is to look and meet. They say meet the children. They've got about six different kids that are ambassadors that you can read their stories, see their pictures. And, yeah, it's heartbreaking. But there's good news. Let me tell you a little bit about what we've done so far. Uh, this is the eighth year of this event. And so far... Um, over 384,000 riders have ridden over 30,745, excuse me, 30,745,000 miles. Wow. And raised over $52.5 million. That is amazing. So, it is. It's, and, you know, it's not just around the, America, although that's basically what it is, but there are riders in Canada and Europe that also ride for this. So it's really international. It's great. Now, do people 
how do they help you with this? Your effort, obviously, you're going to be out there peddling for this cause. Do people pledge per mile, or how does that work? Well, when you go on the website, and I'll give you that address in just a minute, you, there's a button that you can click to donate. And you make your donation right there, right then. And you can base it on so much a mile. And in my case, I've, my goals this year are, three, or excuse me, are 30, 350 miles uh, to raise $1,000. If you pledge 10 cents a mile, that'd be $35 that you would donate. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, if I get, uh, actually, I don't even need 30 people to donate $35 and I meet my match, meet my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am hoping that maybe even in the next week or so, I might even raise my, my goal because I think I'm going to make that thousand dollars. Um, and any amount is appreciated. And again, people are doing this all over the place, right? All over the country, even in other nations, right? Yes. That's really amazing to have that kind of coordination. And so this website, uh, people can also make a flat uh, donation. If they just want to make a one single donation, they can do that as well, right? Correct. Um, I've had donations up. I think I've had a donation. My largest one's been like $200, $250. But We'll take 10, we'll take 1,000, whatever your heart leads you to to donate. Well, give us that website, Tom. Okay. Uh, It's www.greatcyclechallenge.com forward slash riders forward slash Charles Calkins. Charles Calkins. I don't know you by Charles, but, yeah, <laughs> but I give a first name. So that's kind of my legal name that I use. So that, that was what ended up going on that. All right. That sounds good. But uh, we'll also have that link on our Facebook page. So you just go okay. to the Shepherds Facebook page and uh, you'll be able to see that on there as well. And then again, this organization is called what now, Tom? It's called the Great Cycle Challenge. USA. It's um, it's for to raise money for the Children's Cancer Research Fund. It is part of um, I believe I don't want to misspeak, but I think it's part of the Cancer Foundation. But mm-hmm. one other thing I want to add real quick is you know there's all these places out there that are wanting money. Um, you got St. Jude's. You got um, all these all these different ones and they're great and i'm not i'm not taking anything away from them but what i'm saying want to emphasize is that this group this research fund helps with all of those it their their research their things that they come up with help benefit all those that's right because they're the benefactors Uh of all that as well and i know another thing that you're praying about is not just the ride itself but also the fact that uh, weather is obviously a hindrance to something like this, and you're praying for good weather, so our listeners can join yeah. you in that as well, right? Correct. We Last year, I was very blessed with the weather. I was just coming off of being sick with COVID. I missed the first four days of the month because I had been sick with COVID. And I, though September was a rainy month last year, it was beautiful every single morning that I rode. So I had a great month, and I'm 
praying again that God is blessing and blessing me this year with another good month of writing. Well, man, I just want to say on behalf of all of us listening right now, thank you for your willingness to get out there and do something and get on that bike and uh, ride through the heat and the weather and uh, to do it for such a good cause to help these kids who are fighting and battling cancer and to help the doctors who are working hard to find a cure for all of that. So Tom Calkins from Gainesville, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, Mike, for all you've done, not only this year, but in the years past. And I appreciate your support. You are quite welcome, my friend. That's about all the time we have today. Don't forget to vote on Tuesday for the primary election. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.